good? That's good. Um, when we have had, at, at Gateway, when we have had um, pastor changes in the past, we had the elders teach at different times, like when Gary left and we were not yet to who, who was going to replace him. Um, we had the elders teach. And I enjoyed that because you got to hear the heart of some of the leadership in the church, and I appreciated that. I thought that was a great idea until God prompted me to teach. <laughs> so, so here I am now. And um, uh, I know this is no bottle of water, so I brought one in case. Um So, let me start us off with prayer here, and then, Father God, let there be little of me and and much of you, more of you, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, I'm a teacher. I teach at Troy University. I teach business courses, particularly marketing, and I've done that for many years. And the text that I use, I brought, not that I'm going to open it and teach, but I wanted to use it as a reference point for what we're talking about. This is the source that I use, Kotler and Keller. And these two gentlemen uh, wrote this book many years ago, and they are trying to give insight on uh, marketing principles, issues, and things like that. And they write what they understand to be the best of the ability at that time. Uh, But this is on the 14th edition. So what they understood changes across time. And uh, it's important to to bear that in mind. This is a man's perspective on a man's issue, and it changes across time. Um, I don't come today as a subject matter expert. I come as a fellow follower of Christ, and I'm going to try to shine some light on a particular issue. And the source that I use is the Scripture. We look at verses in Ephesians in particular. And the desire that I, I guess the source that we have here that wrote this through Paul's hand is God. And although it updates the language and those kinds of things, uh, it is it hasn't changed because God didn't need to update his understanding of humans, his update his understanding of issues and subjects and, and, and the things that we have. So um, I just wanted to frame that. And the, the um, I think that the, the, the subject that I'll talk about, like... Uh, in the verse in the song about deepening our love for God, that's the intent of what I'm, I'm talking about today. I entitled it, The Distance That Impacts Your Love for God. <clears throat> and I want to put a... That's good. That's good. Okay. <laughs> Just, we'll go to the next slide before I start. And um, I want to give an introduction in addition to this, and it was uh, this statue is on the campus of George Washington University in Washington, D.C., and uh, it is a sizable, I don't know if it's quite life size, but a sizable uh, statue of a hippopotamus, or a river cow, what they call it. So, go to the next slide. Um, This is the plaque that is with that statue. Legend has it that the Potomac was once the home to these wondrous beasts, 
George and Martha Washington are even said to have watched them cavort in the river shallows from the porch of their beloved Mount Vernon on summer evenings. Isn't that amazing? That is an absolute fabrication. <laughs> so why would a plaque, and there's more on the plaque, I, I write it here so that it's, it's easier to read, it goes on to talk about uh, enhancing the fertility of the plantation and bringing good luck, and if you touch the nose, uh, good things will happen. Um, if you, this is the most dangerous mammal in Africa. If you touch the nose, you may have no hand or body or arm or whatever. So this is not a, this is an entire fabrication. So why would there be this statue and this plaque on a campus? And the story that I heard uh, an individual explain this was uh, President Trachtenberg, who was the president of George Washington at the time, had this put here to remind people that you shouldn't, uh, believe everything that you see or read or hear, even from a trusted place. So I challenge you with that. I'm going to present what I understand the scriptures to be saying with this. But I, I challenge you, not just today, any day, you have the source that we're looking at. Look at that source and weigh those things for yourself and see what God says to you about that. <clears throat> so uh, we're going to look at. Uh, Ephesians 2, and I'll give a little context to that, and then we're going to read it together. Uh, this is written to Christ followers in Ephesus. Uh, some of the verses in chapter 2 are, uh, are discussing the, the, how the Jews and the Gentiles have been made into one body. I've, I've sort of cut some of those out so we can stay on topic here with the focus, but if we read these together, they'll be up on the screen. I think that'll be... Uh, the best way to do it, and there are a number of verses, so we'll go through a couple slides with this. And, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now work, work in sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, for great grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that one time you, the Gentiles in the flesh, you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the cross, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens but you are fellow citizens with the saints 
members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a temple, temple of the Lord. That's a bunch of verses, isn't it? And I want to focus in here on the, the two situations that we see in uh, Ephesians. We see uh, who we were in the past and who we are now, who we, who we are in the present. This is, this is the, the focus of what we're doing in the, in the discussion today. So we're going to look at these verses in, in Ephesians 2 and talk about that particular one. And the first place I want to focus is where we were in the past. Um, seems appropriate for a teacher to have post-it notes. Okay? These would be probably good post-it notes for us to have in our life in lots of places. Uh, this one. So these are right out of those verses. And uh, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. You lived in the passions of your flesh. You were children of wrath. You were separated from Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers to the covenant of promise. You had no hope. You were without God in the world. You were far off. All that comes right out of those verses in Ephesians. And I don't know what you noticed about those verses, but I don't, none of them sound particularly appealing uh, in, in just a temporal context with other people, uh, much less in an eternal context with God. And so... Uh, those are the those are the where we were, and um, just to rephrase, spiritually dead, enslaved to your desires, under God's judgment, separated from God, outside His kingdom, outside His family, and without any hope. Not that you didn't personally have hope. God's telling you there was no hope. Okay, but of you doing anything about that, there was no hope, and there was nothing we could do about it. It doesn't, it's not any stretch of the imaginations to say this is the bad news. Okay? Uh, one thing that, that uh, it's, it, it's actually worse than this because we're just looking at Ephesians 2, the part where you're blind and you're in rebellion and you're enemy and you're a son of, of the devil and all these things. We, we left those out here, but it's actually worse than this. We just look here in Ephesians 2. Um, but it's, none of that is real positive stuff. And uh, I want to look next at where we are in the present. We put the so you who are where you are now in Christ. You've been made alive. You've been raised up. You've been seated in heavenly places. You are His workmanship. You were created for good works. Brought near, no longer strangers, no longer aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God. That sounds like a good list. It sounds like a good list. But that's not, and if, and if you look at the verbs there, this is now. This is not in the future something great will happen. This is our reality right now. And if you um, look at the notes up there and sort of put it in your own things, those are all positive things. In the temporal context, we prefer, we, it's great to not be the stranger. It's great not to be the alien, to be a part of God's household, to be a child in his kingdom. All of those things are excellent things, wonderful things. But I would suggest that that's, that's not the good news right there. 
That's a byproduct of the good news. Let me go to the next. The good news is right there in red. It's the first two verses at the beginning of chapter, I mean, the beginning of verse 4. The first two words at the beginning of verse 4. Deus, but God. But God. God looked on the situation that we were in, in which we had no hope whatsoever. And he acted on our behalf. And all of the things that we have that are over on that yellow note, those are all things that we have because we're in Christ. What happened in that but God part? But we had a direction, we were moving in a certain path, and something changed that. And it wasn't us. It wasn't but William or but Janet or but Bob or but anybody. Put your name in there. It wasn't you. God changed that. God made that change even possible for us to make. And that's what's, that's what's happening there. And I think when we look at that, we had no hope other than him. And, and he did it on our behalf. That's the good news. You have the bad news. Or you have some of the bad news. You have the good news and you have the byproduct of that good news. All up there on the screen right there as it is in Ephesians 2. And I want to sort of dwell in that area right now and suggest that the good news means more if we understand the bad news. Uh, the bad news wasn't some theoretical thing. Uh, it was real. The bad news was not if you don't wear a life preserver, something bad could happen. You were drowning. You were dying. You were, actually, you were beyond dying. You were dead. <clears throat> and so I, when I look at the distance that impacts our love for God, uh, I'm looking at the distance uh, between, these two, between these two things. And I want to show a little clip out of the Jesus film in chapter, chapter 7 of Luke. I want to show a little clip from that up here, and then we'll look at this a little bit more, uh, this distance that's here. This Pharisee invited Jesus to have dinner with him, and Jesus went to his house and sat down to eat. Come along, children. Off you go. You heard me? Go. After all the mischief going, good, son. your home. You gave me no water for my feet. She's 
wash my feet with her tears to dry them, but I have. You did not welcome me with a kiss. Since I came, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You provided no olive oil for my head. But she has anointed my feet with perfume. I tell you that. The great love she has shown proves that her many sins are forgiven. Whoever is forgiven little shows only a little love. Sins are forgiven you. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I don't know, that seems a little culturally odd to me, the whole the whole stuff that's going on. There's not a lot of feet kissing at my house anyway. Uh, but but there's you understand the context in which they are. They are this is this is what goes on in in, in a sign of subservience and love and these kinds of things in that culture in that time. But you can tell at the end when she smiles and when she leaves, you almost see a skip in her step when she's actually leaving. It says that something, something really neat has happened there. Something miraculous almost has happened there. That, that clip and that section of Luke is, is entitled, Jesus Forgives a Sinful Woman. And uh, that, that is accurate. But was nobody else sinful there that needed forgiveness? was nobody else sinful there that needed forgiveness. They, there were, looked like there were another ten folks at the table, and I'm sure all of them needed it, but for other reasons. And they were not lining up for that because they didn't feel like they needed it. That's, that's sort of the distance that we're talking about here. Um, the distance I'm talking about is, that impacts our love for God, is between who we who we were and who we now are. And there's sort of three ways to look at this. The way God looks at it, which we saw in Ephesians 2, the characteristics, the identity of who we were, the identity and the situation of who we are and what we have in that, in that context. So we see that. And we see the distance is pretty massive. We see the distance is pretty massive. Another way we can look at that is uh, how we believe. How do, what we believe about that distance between those two, those two sides. And that distance can be uh, small or large depending on how much we understand and believe what God says is true. It's, it, in essence, rests on whether we believe what God is saying is true about us. Uh, and the last one that I think gets us in the most trouble is uh, what we feel about where we were and what we feel about where we are now. And... I would say that our feelings can fight with our beliefs in this way. And uh, we may not feel like we're all that bad. Obviously, if we feel like we're bad or we reflect back as to how we were, that list doesn't sound very exciting to reflect back on. So, yeah, I was an alien and I was 
living in the passions of my flesh, and I was this and that. that doesn't, that's not a list. Our pride sort of stands in the way of that. And fortunately, we are uh, very good at identifying people who are worse than us to compare ourselves to. And so, and if that doesn't work, they improve. We can find somebody else pretty easily. And so, I remember when I was younger, uh, we would sing Amazing Grace. And the part about being a rich, I didn't sing that. Okay? You might mouth the words, but I wasn't singing that. Because I wasn't a rich. I mean, I knew wretches. <laughs> I, knew, I knew wretches, but I wasn't one of them. And, and that had to do with me identifying people who were worse. But that's not the standard that God uses to evaluate us. He's using Jesus as his standard. And so uh, our feelings sort of get in the way. So we might not feel that we were that bad. Or on the other hand, we may not feel that God has changed us all that much. That he's provided all those things to us that we have available there. That we've been made alive. That we have been raised up. That we're seated with him. That we're a member of his household and his kingdom. A citizen. We don't feel that. And so uh, those, both of those things can get in the way. Our, our feelings can be very, very deceptive. But I want to suggest that our feelings are probably not the, actually, not probably, they aren't the foundation to rest this decision on. We don't have a good um, perspective to look at spiritual issues other than what God tells us they are. So, uh, a poor, our feelings are a poor foundation for truth. Uh, we may not like the fact that we may not feel like we're sinful any more than a fish feels like it's wet. All I can say is that it took the sacrifice of God, God's Son, and the way that that happened to fix the problem. That, that suggests that it was a pretty serious problem. Not just, we didn't need a Band-Aid, we had to have a heart transplant. That's, that's the, 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 the difference that it, that it is. If we go back to that video, you see the, 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 the parable that was there. We won't read the whole thing, but the parable from Luke, where he talks about um, the one, which one will love him more if he had canceled the debt of both? The one that was forgiven more. That's in essence. If you're forgiven more, you'll have a greater love than if, than if you are forgiven less. But this is the distance, so this relates to the distance. If we're forgiven little, we show little love. He who's forgiven much shows a greater love. My notes got smaller. <clears throat> the more we believe what God says about the distance between our past and our future situations, the greater that our love will be for him. And if we look at... If we look at uh, this, this whole issue here, um, I would suggest that that woman that was forgiven of her sins is not more sinful, dramatically different. The sins that she has engaged in are different, but she's not more sinful in God's eyes than those gentlemen or Pharisees that were sitting at the table, Simon being an example. They were different sins. Some are more visible than others. Um, I don't have a magic hat that will, we can put on anybody here that will project your thoughts and words for the last week on the screen, but I presume that most of us wouldn't find that a favorable experience. <laughs> it is, we are, the distance between those makes an enormous difference. Here goes the next. 
One more. The distance is here. Who we were and who we now are in Christ. And you can clip through these. That distance and who we were and all the negative things associated with that, with our identity, who we were, our identity, and who we now are in Christ, is the more we appreciate, especially where we were, the more we appreciate what God has done on our behalf, especially if we realize that we have no hope otherwise. We had no hope of making any difference. Um, If we were to, I didn't put this, that's as big a space as I could get up there. Okay? Really, it would be from here to the moon. Okay? The distance was massive, and there was nothing that we could do. There's nothing that we could do to make a difference there. So, <clears throat> go to the next. But we come back to we come back to this, and I want to um, mention a couple, two more thoughts here. One is to the Christ followers that are here in this room, and the more. You appreciate the distance between where you were and where you are. Uh, the more that you'll appreciate what God, God's done on your behalf, and the greater your love will be for Him and the steps that He's taken. Um, we can appreciate the byproducts that are over here on the yellow. We can appreciate those, but those are those are they just come with the relationship. We don't want to appreciate the gifts more than the giver. We don't want to appreciate the gifts more than the giver. So, I encourage you to read Ephesians 2, and I encourage you, if you read it again, to substitute in I and me and my, okay? My sins, my trespasses, he's forgiven me, he has raised me up. Substitute in those words as opposed to the my and we and our, these kinds of things that can include a giant group of people. And I, I pray that you will... Do that, and I encourage you to ask him help you better understand both sides of this. Okay, um, and if you understood it well, then to remind you, because this is this is how your faith can be deepened, your love for God can be deepened, because you're appreciating that expanse that's there. Um, there are people who come. Who, one of the one of the men that I remember uh, listening to had a horrible background. And he became a Christian, and I always thought, gosh, he would have a, it gives him a tremendous testimony because he knows where he was, he knows where he is, and he knows there's a big difference between the two. And then I thought, he is so scarred up inside, spiritually, from that experience. And some of the people who have that never, they never have the good side of that. So I thought, but I think as, as I've looked at my life, and I've, I think as we look at our lives and we look at them with God's perspective, we realize that we're not uh, the angels that we might initially think that we are. And we'll, as we look at what God's standard is and how far we fall short of that, we'll realize that that expanse will grow all by itself. As we get closer to God, we'll realize how not like God that we are and we have, how much more like, not like God we have been in the past and how little there was that we could do about that. Um, the second thought that I want to uh, mention here uh, is for those that are not Christ followers who are not sure. Um, 
on that yellow piece of paper up there, you can see what God says about people who haven't accepted Christ and made Him Savior and Lord in their life. I mean, that's, I didn't make any of those up. They come right out of Scripture, and that's God's perspective on the people who do not know Him and follow Him and, and love Him and have a relationship with Him. Uh, and like we saw before, none of those are good things. Um, that's what God says about your situation. And that's the truth from the expert. And I'm not the expert. The expert wrote Ephesians 2. So there would be no hope. And then we'll look back at there, there would be no hope. No hope. None. Zero. Except for those two words in Ephesians 4. But God. But God. God has acted on your behalf. But you have to call out to him and ask for his mercy and his application of that for you. That doesn't just happen. You have to call out and ask for that. So I encourage you uh, to beg for his mercy and accept what he's already done on your behalf and enter into that new reality of what's over on the right-hand side. So the yellow side there. So... um, I thought that was enough. <laughs> I, I, uh, the distance, the distance that we're talking about is who you were and who you are. The more that that, the wider that is, the larger that is, the more massive that is, the more that your love for God will be there and your appreciation for what He's done on your behalf. So. I want to close this in prayer, and I didn't have to get into this, but we'll leave that for next week. Father God, we, we love you, and we thank you for what you've done. We had nothing in us. We had nothing that we could do for you or on our behalf to make us uh, acceptable, worthy, and any of those any of those things to you, you reached out in love, total total love, and and um, worked uh, worked on our behalf. And we just pray that uh, that is uh, more and more real to us uh, that that uh, are following you, and that that is more and more real the the the, uh, the terrible situation that folks are in that. That don't, that don't have that, that have not accepted what you've done on their behalf, that that will be more and more real to them. Just pray that you will uh, make uh, those byproducts that we're looking up there, uh, that we are your child, that we are a citizen of your kingdom, that we are made alive, that those things can be more real in our life, all that you've done, and that we can, uh, we have that that we can experience in the present, not just at some point way down the line, but we can experience now. We just pray that that will be real for us as well. We thank you uh, for all that you've done. Amen.